Welcome everyone to this episode of Bondcast, the podcast series where we discuss the biggest themes and events shaping rates markets. I'm John Briggs, and I'm standing in for your usual host, Imogen Bakra. And in this episode, I'm joined by our head of European rate strategy, Giles Gale, and US rate strategist, John Navruzzi. We'll be discussing the myriad of central bank developments from last week and how this all impacts our views going forward. Well, team, that was quite a week. Giles, you get the honor today of talking about both the ECB and the Bank of England. Let's start with the ECB, which I think objectively was probably the bigger surprise of the two last week. Um, And I'll lead off with that markets certainly seem to have gotten excited about the ECB joining in the global hawkish central bank shift. What do you think about that now? Well, you know, I mean, it was very, it was exciting, and you know, I think it was. I mean, let's, let's be honest, not entirely unexpected, but no, we're still, you know, I mean, significantly more of a hawkish delivery than I think. Well, I mean, most were expecting, and I think that the market move that followed really speaks for itself. What do I think about it now? I mean. As before, we're we you know we're bearish rates, and you know, this just accelerates us on a path that we expected really to be going down this year anyway. But really, I think the, the markets have got ahead of themselves at the front end. I mean, really quite. I mean, I, I, I think they're really quite overexcited, if I'm honest. Uh, you know, we now are pricing in a full 25 basis point rate hike by late summer, another one by later in the same year. So basically an end of negative rates this year, which I think is very, very aggressive. And it doesn't look like they really want, markets really want to pay attention to the pushback that we've had since. I mean, we had had Class Knot, for example, a renowned hawk come out over the weekend saying, well, I think we could have a Q4 rate hike. He's not talking about, he's not validating anything sooner than that. Um, you know, Kazakhs as well, um, you know, also somebody who you know, leans hawkish, you know, talking similarly. Um, you know, I, I think it's a real struggle to see the, um, uh, the you know, that pricing really being validated. So value in the front end, but still rates higher further out. All right. So about that rates further out, you know, there's been quite a bit of catch up or movement or Moving towards, I should say, your 50 basis point, 10 year bun target. Do you think that this move can continue? Are you changing that target, extending or holding firm? I mean, we're very much holding firm. You know, I, I guess we didn't necessarily expect to be quite so so, so, so far down the route to uh, to achieving that target so so early in the year, and you know, it's it's difficult not to remember how things played out last year, where we had a, a big push in higher in, in yield globally around this time, and then it really wasn't sustained. I think the big difference here is that we're being accompanied by central banks, right? We're you know, the we're much more likely to to see expectations of higher rates validated. So, you know, I think that this is sustainable. Absolutely. Um, now, when it comes to raising our forecasts, you know, that's not that's not for this week. I mean, I I wouldn't imagine that we'll be doing that for for a little while still. But I definitely do think that the next thing that we should be watching for is for a greater participation in the more distant forward rates in this uh, overall sell off. All right, so switching gears slightly um, away from core, let's head towards periphery and to some extent credit. And the way I think about it is kind of European carry that, you know, has been shaken a little bit. 
by um, by the ECB actions and them moving forward, or even just opening the door to a hike, whether it's you know end of year, this year, next year, or in general. Um, what are your thoughts on developments there? Do you have a new bias, change in bias, or uh, you know, how do you think the periphery, I guess, in particular, will um, perform going forward with a little bit of a shaky start here this week? Yeah, it's been challenging for for everything really. That um, you know, where the fundamental sort of motivation is um, is carry in the last well, I mean, in the last week, it's it's been a rocky environment for for European credit, been a rocky environment for for BTPs. Uh, you know, other things like asset swap spreads have also been put under you know, quite a lot of pressure. So, so yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think that there's a unifying theme that the market is sort of seeking out anything that you know has you know, where I guess that the well, let's say that carry is a key part of the, inv- the investment rationale. Um, now, we're not rushing to to, to to go bearish on on, on BTPs. I mean we, we've talked a lot about BTPs on the podcast and in in recent episodes. Um, you know, the the political fundamentals resolved pretty nicely for, for BTPs um, with the presidential election. We've been through the fr- the, the, the flows pretty fr- forensically and we've discussed that on the podcast as well. Um, now they don't look that formidable to be honest with you. And so while I understand that markets are concerned about the combination of higher rates and you know, uh, uh, potentially an accelerated end to quantitative easing and you know, the, the sort of received I guess the common wisdom is that the ECB is you know, essentially the marginal buyer or you know is at least the knowledge that they're there is in, is in, you know, the necessary encouragement to, um, to to other potential, marginal buyers to, to stay involved in the market. Um, actually, I think that that is a line of reasoning which is commonly overplayed. So, you know, we've had a little bit of respite um, after a pretty brutal widening. And um, you know, I think that we we can stabilize. The other big question, though, and you know, it may well come to this, um, you know, I think the ECB has said that in one of the what um, you know, one of the developments is this week, which allowed the market to stabilize a little bit, was um, that Christine Lagarde of the European Parliament said that, you know, or she reminded us that, that they really do care about fragmentation and spreads are an important part of that. And they, you know, in principle, will be there to support that. But of course, that's not exactly the same as saying we will do this amount of purchases or whatever. And so you know, I, I do think that there's a risk that the time will come that that is tested. Um, but I think the ECB you know, does have the flexibility, as we said, again and again and again, and you know, will be um, you know, up to that challenge. I will say, I think fragmentation certainly could be a word of the week. All right, switching gears to the Bank of England then. Um, you know, the Bank of England does seem worried about being caught behind the curve. And, you know, I know you've updated how you think that they're going to approach this year. So why don't you share how your views have been evolving for Bank of England and also Gilts? Yeah, so essentially for the Bank of England, what we're saying is that they're going to get, they'll be raising rates pretty much to the same level as we thought previously, but just quicker. Okay, so basically, we we now think that they will do all the tightening they need to do to contain um, inflation satisfactorily um, over the course of this year. So 
we're now talking about a 25 basis point rate rise at the next meeting in March, and then again in May, and then again in August, and that will take them to one uh, and a quarter percent in the bank rate. Now, that's quite a lot lower than the market currently has in mind. And so you know, I think that there is, as in Europe, I think that there's a little bit of value at the, the front end in the UK. You know, I think you know, getting that stopping point right, and, you know, um, to, even within sort of 50 basis points at a time when inflation outcomes are still so high is, you know, it, I mean, you know, there's quite a lot of margin there for, for error, I suppose. And so I wouldn't expect that necessarily to come back especially quickly, but I do think there's some value there. But at the same time, we have pushed out our um, our target for 10-year gilts from 135, which is where we were before the Bank of England, um, up to 1.6 for uh, for this year, which you know, just we you know we think is more aligned with um, you know, both the more aggressive path for the Bank of England and you know, where we see um, the UK. Uh, I guess just being consistent with the way that we view other major markets. All right, great. Thanks, Giles. Plenty to talk about this week in Europe and the UK, that's for sure. Well, it's still got to get to the US in here. So, uh, John Navruzzi, we've also seen higher yields in the US. I mean, part of that's been assisted by these moves this past week in, in UK and Europe and just global yield moves in general. Um, and you're in the tricky situation of recording right before the US CPI is released. But so, with that in mind, listeners, um, I'm going to ask him about payrolls first, which last Friday was pretty surprising in its strength. Um, does that open the door to 50 basis points in March? And I know that just as we were recording, you know, Fed's Bostic is on the tape saying that he's really only thinking about 25 basis points, but all options are on the table. Yeah, I mean, last week I was also in the tricky position of recording right before the NFP, so maybe we should change the, <laughs> the recording. Time on your the podcast, but, uh, but yeah, just, I mean, just as a context on the NFPs. Uh, the, the jobs number was, and if I had to use one word, it was booming. We had over 400 and uh, it was 467,000 jobs. And the Bureau of Labor Statistics revises the past, the previous two releases at the third release. And we saw another 700,000 jobs on top of that added. So, so clearly there is a very powerful uh, job creation, job creating momentum in the economy. Additionally, the average early, hourly earnings uh, we're up by 0.7% month on month, pushing the yearly rate above 5%. So these are all very strong dynamics that it's very, very hard for the for the Fed to ignore. Uh, that being said, I mean, there are some caveats and uh, our economics team does a uh, deeper dive for that. So I'm going to skip that uh, that part. But as far as the the question of 50 base point hike, yeah, it, it does make a difference. I mean, it is hard for me to ignore that uh, the wages or just in general jobs play a massive part in the Fed's assessment of the economy. And this certainly added more pressure for them to move faster or bigger. We haven't changed our view. We still expect uh, a 25 basis point hike, five of them uh, in this year, which is more or less in line with what the market is pricing. Uh, so I think inflation is going to be a little bit more key here because jobs have been trending in the right direction. Unemployment was, the rate was already at 4%. So, uh, the Fed wants to see continued improvement in the uh, in the job sector, but it's really inflation, the CPI that's pushing the uh, pushing creating this pressure right now. So, uh, so I don't think it changes. And like you said, Bostic was out there. He was one of the he's one of the hawks on the on the FOMC. 
And he's basically out there, even after this jobs number saying, uh, we don't need a 50 basis point hike. We, he still leans towards uh, 25 increments of 25, possibly leaning towards like a four total this year. So even his forecasts as a hawk are below what we have uh, penciled in for 2022. But I also got to say, again, like the reason in my mind why they're leaving the 50 basis point possibility open is that they they want to have that card in case we see inflation expectations spiral out of control or we see the next uh, monthly inflation numbers coming way above con consensus. So imagine that pushes the CPI handle, like I mentioned last week, if it pushes it above, uh, you know, in like the 8% range, that becomes a problem. And that's when you really have to think maybe we should move in a larger increment, but that also creates more problems. Do we move in 50 base points now and then slow down? What was the really, what was really the point? Do we do 50, 50, 50? That could be excessive. So we're still sticking to the, to, to our 25 basis point call. As I say, plenty of time though, between now and March, the March meeting. So, um, you know, Giles has talked a little bit about some of the moves in the front end in the Europe and UK, you know, starting to see some value there, but still seeing some upside to yields further out. Um, given that context and, you know, how U.S. pricing has changed over the last um, week or two, any changes from our standpoint as far as, you know, market calls, views, targets? Yeah, we, we adjusted our, our calls just because uh, the front end, like you mentioned, did a lot of the repricing. I have to admit, Europe did do a lot of the heavy lifting last week as well. So, uh, so that was definitely worked in our favor for our views. But what we changed in our, our core views have not changed for higher rates across the board. But where we really see the difference now is, so uh, we, we, the front end seems pretty well priced in. So up to the, for the next two years, the curve has about a total of seven, slightly over seven hikes priced in. Our forecast is for nine. When, that, when the market was pricing at five, that uh, two stands type of flattener position seemed a lot more attractive. Now, the, for, for the twos to reprice a lot more, something has to go out of, uh, like, way above expectations. Something like what we discussed, a 50 basis point hike, or the Fed really feeling like they're, they've fallen behind and they really, really have to catch up quickly. We don't have any of those penciled in. We think they're going to go as more or less market has priced in for this year. So the first year of the two-year investment in the two stance flattener is already pretty well pretty accurately priced in, in our mind. And it, it, from this vantage point, it's just the risk reward is, is not there anymore. But we do maintain a little bit further down the curve, five studies flatteners where we think the terminal rate, aka how far the Fed can go uh, in this cycle has to lift up just because the underlying momentum in the economy is strong. So we maintain in five studies flatteners, but we, we took out some profits now on our two stands and kind of see the action moving down to the belly of the curve. Great. Thanks. All right. Well, that's all the time that we have for this week. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Bondcast. As always, please remember to hit subscribe so you can watch our latest episodes as soon as they're available and hit the like button so it's easier for others to find. Thank you. Have a good week.